0: G
1: Revelation twelve eleven, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony And they did not love their lives to the death Welcome to By the Word of Their Testimony And here is your host, Etienne McClintock
2: Greetings and a warm welcome Thank you for tuning in to today's program It's a delight to have your company again today Now in the studio I have a special guest all the way from South Africa It's Pastor Ibn the Jager Or as you would say in English Because you do modify the language a little bit Ibn De Jager Welcome
1: Thank you very much It's a privilege to be here
2: Yeah, it's very good to have you Now, I met Ibn uh, Must be about two and a half Maybe even three years ago At a camp meeting in South Africa and uh, we sort of became friends after that on Facebook And then subsequent to that, you had some programs organized here to come across and speak at And I was fortunate to listen to one of your programs over the weekend But it's good to have you just here for a brief moment Because I understand this is only a short trip, it's only a matter of a week And then you'll come back possibly next year
1: sometime Yes, the second half of uh, next year is, is the planning that we have for, for another trip Okay, fantastic Well, perhaps you can just tell us a little bit about yourself So what do you do in South Africa? I work for a company called Homebase TV, and it's a a satellite uh, television network. Mm. And we broadcast from Cape Town in South Africa, right across Africa and uh, Europe. And we also catch parts of of Russia and the Middle East. And we broadcast more or less 50% in Afrikaans, which Mm -hmm. is a local uh, uh, South African language, and the rest is in English. And we broadcast the Three Angels messages. Okay, so it's a Christian Television yes, station that's okay, it Okay, fantastic And what's your
2: involvement exactly? What do you do there?
1: I serve as a director at Homebase But okay. my specific portfolio is actually the Connect Evangelism Institute okay. And that's a distance education uh, institution mm. Where we teach people the basic principles of sustained uh, spiritual growth in your life As well as principles of evangelism Okay, great
2: And also you're a speaker as well on I,
1: Homebase? I do. I present some of their, some of their programs, and yes. then I also uh, present various seminars throughout South Africa when, uh, when people ask me to do that. And I'm away from home approximately three months a year being busy with, with various… Backwards uh, and forwards and that. Yes, okay. presenting and that kind of thing. Okay, wow. Well, that will keep you very busy, and
2: I I assume you have a family. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about that and how they cope with you being away that often.
1: Yes, I have a lovely wife. Her name is Carly, and uh, we have two sons, Juvon and Ilian. Now, Juvon uh, sounds like maybe a strange name to most people, Mm. but we decided to name our our children with uh, names that have specific meaning. Okay. Now, uh, Jivan means the Lord is gracious hmm. And Ilion means the Lord is my God Because every time we call their names We want it to be a blessing to them And you know, also speak some, some uh, truth and, and value into their lives as well
2: Well that sounds really beautiful And that's a very biblical principle I know where God has transformed and changed lives Quite often he's given them new names Like Abraham became Abraham Jacob became Israel and so forth So n- names have meaning and actually signifies character Yes, so that's that's beautiful. Yes, that's, that's, that's each of them
1: sec- actually have a have a second name as well. The okay. the oldest one, my wife's name is Carly. Her mm-hmm. father's name is Carl, so we gave him a second name also Carl. But the name means tiller of the soil. Hmm. And, uh, is I that the equivalent uh, to Charles in English? Is, it it, is it, it? it will be very very similar to, okay. to Charles, and uh, the meaning is tiller of the soil. And mm-hmm. I was I was very fortunate when uh, last night. My wife let me know that she spoke to the sons, and, and the oldest one said, that I want to do what da- daddy does one day. I want to go and spread the message. And being a tiller of the soil, that, that is also what we do. We prepare people to receive that message of salvation the seed, in Jesus Christ, which is the word of God. Yes. Yes. Amen. And the other one, his second name is Valden, uh, and uh, that's a reference to the Valdensians. Ah. The, the, those people that stayed in the, in the mountains of Italy, you know. Uh, mm. Proclaiming and, and also preserving the word of God
2: That's right And God had prepared for them a place there That they should be nourished During yes. that 1,260 years of persecution That's it mm, Beautiful Great So maybe what we can do is We can now close the gap We're going to step back to where you were born And your family influences And then what we'll do is Through your testimony We'll sort of come back to where we are now If that's okay with you So perhaps Wonderful. start with where you were born And the family And the influences in your life at that stage
1: I was born in South Africa in a, in a, uh, a suburb called Birchley. It's very cr- close to the OR Tambo uh, Airport in Johannesburg. Okay. It's, uh, most people who fly to South Africa will, will fly through there. Okay. Uh, so I was born there, and uh, I went to school there until I was six years old, and then my father uh, started working for another company in Pretoria, the capital of South Africa. Mm. So we moved there, and I've stayed there for most of my life. Went there to primary school and, and uh, high school. And uh, we attended the Pentecostal church. My parents uh, brought us up uh, in, a, in a very conservative way. You know, we, we regularly did Bible study in the house, Bible reading. We hmm. went to church several times, uh, you know, a week. Oh, really? Okay. Very dedicated. We hmm. also had Bible study meetings at our house and so forth. So it was a good, solid biblical foundation that, uh, that we had. Right. And then in South Africa back then, Uh, we had compulsory national service. Mm. You had to go to the army or the Navy or whatever, wherever you were called up for a a period of two years. I was called up to the Navy and I then volunteered to go to the Marine Corps, uh, which meant they sent you to another training base. And uh, when I went there, I kind of lost my foundation. Uh, There's a, a lot of, influence that that people have over you when you, when you're in in the military you mm. know, you you tend to be exposed to things that you've never been exposed before and so forth so there I started uh, doing things that that simply weren't allowed in the house you know I started okay. drinking and actually started smoking at, at school already now those mm. are things that were absolute no-nos in the the staunchly conservative house that we grew up in okay so the army didn't have a, have a good uh, uh, influence on me at mm, all, mm. Um, and when I finished my national service, I then started uh, to study. And my father said, "We can study whatever we we wish to." And uh, to his great frustration, I told him that I want to study fashion design. <laughs> okay. And he lost it completely because we're just way too conservative for you know one of the children to go into that line. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, he, he allowed me. I mean, he he said you know every child can go and study whatever they want to. Uh, the only thing was uh, you were not allowed to fail any subjects. He mm. said, you know, if if you fail, you know, th- you will not sponsor the studies any further. So right. you, you knew you had to be diligent in what you did. Uh, that was also not an ideal environment to be in. Mm. Uh, I studied at, at a fairly exclusive institution that only take 20 students per year and many more than that apply. So you already had to go t- through a quite stringent uh Application process, and uh, eventually they selected myself and one other guy, and then 18 girls. So that was also a, a strange environment to be in, mm. uh, but I enjoyed the studies. I, I was more involved with it. I liked the design and the drawing much more than you know things like needlework and, and that kind of thing. Yes. Um, but it was a, a, a something that I felt I, I wanted to do at that stage in mm-hmm. my life. And when I realized that there's no real future for me in South Africa uh, in that line, uh, I started wondering, you know, was this the right decision to make? Mm. But then because of the lifestyle I lived and, you know, the, the continuous influence that that especially my mother had in terms of always telling me, even I'm praying for you and, you, you know, you're in my prayers, you know. Uh, you, you should read your Bible, you know, you know you're doing things that you shouldn't be doing. You know, you need to come back to the Lord. I often got irritated with it, but but it also started nagging me in my own mind. It's okay. it's as yeah. if, you know, I, I realized, you know, I need to pay attention to these things. Mm. Also because of the foundation I had uh, at home. Uh, eventually she got me to go on a camp and uh, the Lord really touched my life there. And I decided to, to then study theology. Now, it's quite a great leap to go from. That is a remarkable leap. Yes, yeah. from fashion design to theology. But I then started to study that. Mm. And uh, I found it very interesting that the further that I went with my studies, the more I found certain aspects of what I was taught that I, that I didn't see as clearly in Scripture. Okay. And it's just in my nature it's the way I uh, I am mm. that I want to question that. I want to challenge that. I, I want to know why is it like this. Yes. And I asked certain basic questions. For instance, in uh, the training school, the, the uh, seminary that I attended, they taught us that when you baptize somebody, you have to immerse them in water three times. Okay. And I asked, but why why do we have to? And they said, no, if you if you read Matthew 28, then it's very clear. You know, you baptize people in, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then I said, but yes, I, I understand that, and I agree. That is what the Word says, but it also elsewhere says, baptize in the name of the Lord Jesus. In other places, it says, baptize in the name of Jesus Christ. Mm. So how come this formula is kind of enforced and and used as the 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 basis for immersing somebody three times where the rest of the Bible tends to speak of of only, you know, a a singular event. Yes. And uh, they then said, no, but, you know, this is what we're teaching you and and you will accept it because this is what we say. Mm. And those were the words of Jesus. That's why that overrules the rest of Scripture. Now. If you look at it in a, in a certain sense, it might make sense, but yeah. then there should be consistency throughout Scripture.
2: If you look at the broader context of yes. it, that's right, yeah. Because I think of that text, Second, you know, in, second, sorry, no, in Romans chapter 6, where it says that, verse 3, Do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ, were baptized into his death? And they said, therefore, buried with him through baptism. Yes. So you only, he was only buried once. So you are asking now why you buried three times yes. in the water. Exactly. Yeah. And,
1: and I then said, but, you know, if I immerse somebody in the water and I say, I baptize you in the name of the Father, then immerse them in, in water. Hmm. Aren't I saying that the Father died and rose from the dead? And and he never yeah. did Well that the not affect what you're saying yes. yeah. Neither did the Holy Spirit mm. so, so why do I have to use this threefold formula When baptizing somebody Yeah. And that did not go down well They didn't like that at all okay. uh, So there were several things that I challenged them on and, mm. and I believe that a student should be able to ask difficult questions And, and can expect a reasonable answer sure. uh, They saw me as very rebellious um, So eventually when I finished my studies I did not enter ministry at that stage. Other things also happened in uh, our local congregation that was simply not acceptable. Mm. And uh, on challenging that once again, I was viewed as the rebel. Okay. So I decided, you know what? Um, I don't see in, in my reading of the Bible at that stage that I need any of these people. I can just go it alone. It's it's me, myself, and I, and the Bible, mm. and I can make it. Right. And having that attitude, uh, I'm not surprised that you know things went from bad to worse very, okay, very quickly. So that quickly. didn't
2: work well for you then.
1: Not going it alone. Okay. I I moved further and further away from from God in my relationship. It it really d- deteriorated very quickly, and eventually I did not attend church for approximately twelve years. Wow. Um, as a matter of fact, during th- those years, my, my mother on more than one occasion sent a pastor to me to come and visit me. And because I had the theological training, mm. I could also counter whatever they said. You know, I, okay. I had a way of undermining them and so on, mm. uh, which which wasn't good. But I mean, if if you understand it within the context of, of how the devil works, obviously he's, he's going to want me to also undermine them because it also undermines my faith and it kind of puts me on the pedestal instead of, you know, sure, Christ being the center. Mm. So I moved far away from the Lord mm. and uh, in during that time, I also uh, did quite well in business and, and so forth. I had a big house, I had a fancy car, all those things, earthly things, mm. but also a, a, a string of bad relationships and, you know, th- things just financially I prospered Mm. but as a human being I really did not okay then I met a girl with the name Elena Uh, beautiful girl at that stage I I wasn't interested in in a relationship or anything like that but she absolutely turned my life upside down and uh, you know we we went into a relationship and we eventually decided to get married Mm. and at that point the the relationship also became physical hmm. although we weren't married yet right and she fell pregnant and we decided that uh, we going to we going to wait until the child was born a, a daughter it turned out to be uh, later uh, and that we we were going to get married afterwards when mm. the, when Danica is, is approximately 3 months old that was the plan uh, but as time progressed uh, I had to go overseas at one specific occasion, and Elena said, "You know, I think we we maybe should get married, in, even if it's in in court. But let's have this official, and we can have the celebration of the wedding then afterwards." Okay, and uh, yeah, that we did that, and and uh, I was very happy because it was a dream of mine from being a very young boy to have. A child, you mm. know, to be a father. Maybe because I didn't have the best relationship with my own father. You know, um, he was very loving, very caring. He always provided, mm. but we weren't particularly close. There okay. was a, a huge age gap between him and myself. Mm. He was was almost forty uh, when I was was born. Mm. So the age gap was was quite big yeah, You know, right. we, we very seldom did things together And it was something that I missed And I always longed for that And mm. then wanting to provide that for for a child And, you know, having that close connection Yes Then it happened that uh, Elena had to go on, on maternity leave A month before Danica uh, was to be born Now, what happened is that she went in that morning uh, To the offices where she worked And she greeted everybody And, and said, you know, I'm I'm uh, going on maternity leave but I'll see you in in a short while and she was only going to return uh, to work for a, a short while before we were to move to a farm. Right. And uh, I was looking forward to it very much and in preparation for going to the farm I bought a Range Rover but it's a, a, a yellow that's shocking to the eye in, in my language, in okay. Afrikaans we call it ge-gel-geel. Okay, it is really a, an in your <laughs> like canary yellow is it? A canary yellow it, okay. a, and she <laughs> hated the colour of the oh. vehicle, she loved the vehicle but not the colour, understand. so she refused flat out to get into that vehicle and uh, I convinced her to to take one trip with me in that vehicle and I told her, listen, let's just go and visit this friend of mine and and he's going to spray paint the vehicle. But to get the vehicle there is a couple of hours drive. So, mm. you know, uh, do it just this once. I mean, how bad can one single trip, you know, in the vehicle be? Mm. So we loaded most of what we had in, in the the vehicle in terms of, you know, the, the uh, my dogs went with, the, they just had puppies. And we took them with and, you know, we, we were going to visit with uh, these friends of ours for, for a week or so. And uh, we got into the vehicle, drove through from Johannesburg to Pretoria, uh, offloaded one of the the puppies. Somebody bought a puppy off me. And then when we drove from there, we had a a fantastic conversation in the car. Usually Mm. when we drove somewhere, she would fall asleep within a matter of minutes. Okay. But this time she was wide awake and Mm. and we had – the most wonderful conversation, but as it goes with, with anybody uh, traveling a long distance, at some stage, you know, it, it falls silent mm. in the car for, for a minute or so. And, and as we uh, went along the highway, there was a an off-ramp, and I wanted to tell her something about people that, that lived close by, and you had to take that off-ramp to get there. Mm. And when I wanted to share that with her, and I looked at her, uh, her head just hung forward. Um, she obviously just fell asleep, mm. but she was very uncomfortable because she was pregnant. You know, so yes. she didn't have a safety belt on. Mm. Uh, now the the next thing that happened was uh, it, it's strange to to try to or difficult to try to explain to you, but it's it's as if you wake up in the morning and and I'm somebody who, I don't wake up. Quick and easily, I'm like an old three eight six computer. You oh, know, okay. I, I take quite a while Time to, to boot up. up. <laughs> okay, so I became aware of of things around me, but something was wrong, and I and, and I couldn't understand what. And as I became more aware of what's happening around me, I realized that I'm not up straight, I'm, but I'm not I'm not on my side either, and I couldn't figure out what was going on. And eventually, I figured out, but I'm upside down, mm. and I was hurting like I cannot explain to you. I mm. was sore all over my body, but I couldn't move my head mm. and I wanted to touch my head, but something was was on me, and I just tried to to push it off, but i couldn't it it was heavy, and I tried to figure out what it was, and at that stage i I started. Calling out because I, I remembered. Okay, I, I, the last I, I I know I was in the car, and I started calling Elena, hmm. but there was no answer. Hmm. And then I started seeing these these flashes, but I couldn't open my eyes, and I couldn't understand why. Hmm. But but still, there they were flashes. I almost want to say through my eyelids hmm. I could see. Flashes going and, and I heard noises around me And I started speaking And and then there was a big commotion mm. When I started speaking And people all around me And things that went on And and a person started speaking to me And said just remain calm Remain calm And, and I couldn't understand what happened mm. I then lost my consciousness again And I woke up And I was in a hospital uh, In a, an ambulance On the way to the hospital And I asked uh, You know Where's Elena mm. And the person just pushed me down and said, "Just be quiet, be quiet." And uh, the next thing I remember, I was in hospital, and friends of mine were standing next to me. I was in pain. I didn't know what what's going on, and I asked this uh, lady friend of mine, uh, "Where's Elena?" Hmm. And she didn't answer. She just shook her head. And at that stage, I realized, okay, it was a vehicle accident. Hmm. Elena's gone now to me wanting to to have a child and Mm. and having met Elena and and what a wonderful woman that was that was for me too much I I couldn't deal with that I've lost everything that was dear to me Mm. there and then and in the subsequent weeks, I had to go through operations. And and if if you think about it, the the fact that I just survived that accident was an absolute miracle. Mm. That I didn't break ribs. That I I mean the the vehicle ended up on its roof. The roof of the vehicle collapsed. I was halfway through the the front window. Uh, it was basically the the engine section of the the car mm. that were on my head, battery acid ran over my arm, it, it burnt my arm. I was in a, in a very bad state, but I survived. Mm. And I had to deal not only with the, with the physical pain, I mean, compared to the physical pain, the emotional was, was much worse. Right. I mean, you can't even compare the two. Mm. And I came to the point where I had to deal with this and i started actually hating god for what happened mm. because would it have been too much to ask just that i also pass away in that accident yeah i mean there was nothing to live for i've lost everything there there's no there's no purpose to life there there's no use what what am i going to do and at that point I even started contemplating taking my own life. Wow. I couldn't see any purpose for me whatsoever on this planet anymore. Mm. And I didn't want to be here. Uh, There was no way forward. But then because of I believe the the foundation laid during my childhood, I always believed that the Bible is true. Okay. And at that point, I remembered a verse in Scripture. And I— I turned to it and it's 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13. And that verse made me think that there's a difference between the way I see myself and my situation that I'm in now and the way that the Lord sees me. Now, uh, I don't know if you can maybe read, yeah, read sure. the verse for us.
2: If First 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with
1: the temptation, he will make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Now, though that verse speaks about temptation, um, in my life at that stage, that verse told me that you can endure this. You can come through this. And I just couldn't see how it could be possible. Mm. But I had this dilemma. I believe the Bible is true. So now I must either throw out the Bible completely mm. and, and get to the point where I, I hate not only God but myself so much that I take my own life. Yes. Or I believe that the Bible is true. And that would mean I can come through this. Mm. And I said, I'm not necessarily keen on it. Yes. But let's test if God's word is true or not. So this was a test of faith in, in the word of God. Absolute test of faith mm. and and remember it's not a test to somebody who's spiritually strong at that stage mm. in my life at all. But it went to the core is the bible true yes or no. Yeah. And that's a fundamental thing. So to a large extent we need to understand that the way we bring up our children, the foundation laid during the early years will definitely influence them later in life. I was brought back to those basics taught in, in childhood. What I did then, what, what I decided then was not based on anything I knew as a grown man. It was based on the early years, foundational years of life mm. and that would determine my path from that point further Wow
2: well, That is that is an amazing testimony so far Even It reminds me of that text where it says Train up a child in the way he should go And when he is old, he will not depart from it So your early upbringing had a big influence In you coping with this major, significant crisis In your life at that time Because it was touch and go For some reason you were miraculously spared Because I've seen the photos subsequent. Yes. Uh, To you coming over now That your wife sent over Just to show the car And I can't see how anybody Could walk away from that That uh, car wreck But dear listener We are just going to take A quick break here Please stay tuned And we'll come back Straight after these short messages Heard a sample of the song Does Jesus Care Played by Henry Higgins Visit 3abnaustralia.org.au To purchase his CD Near to the Heart Welcome back to By the Word of Their Testimony We are in the studio today With Pastor Eben de Jager Or as you would say in English Eben de Jager And he's just been sharing his testimony And just before the break He spoke about that incredible car Accident that he survived But unfortunately his fiance And also she was pregnant with his child And yes. probably not too long before she was due to give birth uh, Was was killed in, in the car accident And how everything that he had hoped for in his life Because he was a very successful business person at that time Everything else that he felt was lacking in his life Had now just disappeared in an instant And how God was able to bring him through this by the promise in the Scripture that He's able to bring him through, and that He will find a way of escape, because at this stage you were saying you were con- contemplating taking your life. Yes.
1: So perhaps you can pick up the story from there again, Ivan. I was in a bad state physically then, mm. but I started to, as I recovered physically, I started to recover spiritually, to a certain extent as well. Mm. Uh, after the operation that I had, uh, they I fractured my my uh, heel. And uh, they had to put metal plate in and a lot of screws in it. And they said, I will never walk normally again. Mm. Uh, After that, I went to visit the people that uh, I was on my way to when we had the accident. And while visiting with them, some people gave me a set of DVDs by a man with the name Walter Feith. Mm. And, I mean, it's not as if I could do anything else but sit because no. I, I i wasn't mobile and i wouldn't be mobile for for approximately 6 months mm. and uh, so i had no other option but to sit and and watch these dvds and i th- i thought it was quite fascinating what he said but i didn't agree with everything he said because i had this theological background and and what he said differed from what i've been taught mm. uh, although i've often challenged what i've been taught okay so in a sense i was now challenged by what he said and I reverted back to the principle that I always had. Whatever the lecturer says, I'll test it by the word. And, and if there's a difference, I reject whatever you know, they say. I'll go according to the Bible. Mm. So I tested what he said in the Bible. And, and a lot of what he said made sense. He, for instance, spoke about uh, the state of the dead, something that was very relevant to me at that stage because I've just lost my wife and daughter. Because uh, we, we did get married 45 days before uh, her passing away. And I wanted to know where they were. And what he said is that it's not a question of where they were. They were merely asleep. Okay. And initially, on on seeing that for the first time, I didn't like it. Because to me, it was more convenient that they be in heaven. But as I studied the scriptures, and I, I would literally pause the DVD and have a look if he's maybe not not cheating me by reading from from a text that's not really in scripture, okay. I would take my own Bible and I, I would go to that that verse. And on one or two occasions, I, I got excited because you know the the verse wasn't there. But then I realized, but in the Afrikaans translation, sometimes it's not the same verse number. It would be the verse before it. Or yes, after I've it. noticed
2: that in the Afrikaans Bible. Sometimes it's just out by a verse in regards yes, to the numbering because
1: yeah. they, they simply numbered it slightly differently. Different, yes. But it was there Mm. In my Bible So this guy He doesn't use another Bible You
2: were a big skeptic When you go through this this thoroughly You
1: were not going to sell me something That that I don't see in Scripture Scripture. Right But still I I was uncomfortable With this idea of them Not being in heaven initially But then when I thought about What he was saying That that there is sleep And I can see how consistent That is with Scripture And that it doesn't matter if they're not in heaven now. They're not experiencing pain. They, they're they not experiencing anything bad. Mm. They're merely resting, sleeping yes. until Jesus Christ comes and, and he's going to wake them up again and, and they'll be changed. And if Jesus comes while I'm alive, I'll also be changed and, mm. and we'll meet him in the air together. I, I found great comfort in that. And it made more sense because, I mean, if— it was anything else. How could somebody who was not faithful then immediately be burning in hell already? Mm. It just didn't make sense to me. Yes. So, so I agreed with what he said there. But then there were quite a few other things that he said that just challenged me to, to a point where I said, no, I, I can't accept this. Now, uh, some of those aspects uh, include, for instance, he, he spoke about people who were prophets in our, our day, today, today. And I said no 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 we we stick to the biblical prophets you know I, I, how can you say somebody's a prophet but I don't read about them in the bible yes. that was just foreign to me so, so no. I rejected that and uh, interestingly enough you know I, I didn't at that point go to the bible and and see if the bible actually speaks about prophets in in our day because it it does speak about false prophets and yes. and if there are false prophets there by default has to be true prophets as well mm. anyway th- some of these things challenged me and, and I decided I'm, I'm going to set that DVD set aside and, you know, I'll, I'll deal with it at a later stage. And uh, some years later, I I met my wife, Carly, and we got married and uh, she gave birth to, to my two sons. But be- before the sons came, when we got married and we moved down to a small town with the name Clainmont, she started unpacking some boxes And she opened the one box and she took out this DVD set and she asked me, what's this? And I said, no, it's some DVDs by a guy with the name, you know, Walter Feith. But, you know, it's quite good. But he loses the plot when he starts talking about this strange woman and, you know, a couple of other things that I don't agree with. Mm. And uh, it's worthwhile watching it. So, uh, you know, we, we started watching it and. We were married for about two months when we found out that she was a month pregnant. Now, mm. We initially planned to be married for like three years or okay. before we start with the family, but obviously God decided differently, yeah. and he blessed us with, uh, with the first boy, Jovan. But while she was pregnant, she would fall asleep while we were watching the DVD. So I would finish watching it, and when she woke up, I would then start watching it again with her so that she could follow what, what I've just seen mm. And sometimes she would f- fall asleep again And then I would watch it again okay. So I went through it a couple of times And then I received DVDs from other people as well uh, They gave me DVDs by uh, David Asherick And by Lew Schreven And by Doug Batchelor and, and I would start comparing these I would watch the teaching on the state of the dead By the one person Then what th- the next person had to say about it And, and comparing the verses And Figuring all of these things out for myself. Hmm. And on watching these DVDs again and again, I found myself understanding certain aspects that I had objections about. I understood much better. Uh, accepting those principles, but then again, there was this woman that you know I didn't agree with and yeah. a couple of things that I still found objectionable. So I actually went and, and I wanted to speak to Professor Walter Feith in person Reason being The other presenters Weren't South African You know So so it would be Quite a mission To get hold of them mm. But he's a local Yes He's from South Africa So you know It should be possible To meet with him And eventually I did a search On the internet Got his details Sent an email and then I thought to myself, but no, I don't want an email answered because I have no proof that it was him answering it. Mm. Maybe they they have somebody else answering the question, and, and I want him to to answer for what he teaches. Yes. So I got his number, and I phoned him. And uh, I was actually quite arrogant, you know, thinking that I could teach him a couple of things because sure. I believed he understood Scripture incorrectly on certain mm. issues. Uh, he was very kind and, and and polite but i could also hear that he was busy at that point with other things uh and i think also with with the arrogance that I, that i had you know maybe that was also not conducive to a a, a good and, and enduring conversation sure so uh, sometime later uh we did meet but i want to tell you about his perspective on it that i only heard in in 2015 when he came to visit me mm. Uh, because this happened in in 2008. In 2015, he told me that he was busy with a series of his rekindling the Reformation. And at that point, he didn't really take calls because he's busy on his new series. And uh, while being busy with that, his phone rang and he actually picked it up almost automatically without thinking about it. And it was the call that I made. And uh, after that call, he couldn't quite concentrate on his work as thoroughly. And a couple of days later, he was on his way through to Helderberg. Uh, it's a place in South Africa where there's a, an Adventist college. Yes, He was on his way there, and he told his wife that I need to go and visit this guy that phoned me. And I can remember he said he lives in Claremont. And he, she then said, well, you know, if you have his address, let's go there. but But he didn't have it. <laughs> So what he did is they literally drove into the town. Now, it's a fairly small town, but the street where I lived was on a gravel road. Mm. It's not on the main road or, you know, a lot of the people, even though it's a fairly small town, wouldn't easily find that place. It's it's kind of secluded. Mm. But he drove there, and the first place where he stopped, the first door that he knocked on was my door. Wow. Now, if that's not the Lord leading, Mm. then I don't know what is. But I invited him into the house and, and he sat down and, and we had a conversation and eventually I wanted to start arguing with him and and the more I wanted to argue, the more he, he just became peaceful and quiet and he would just take the Bible and, and turn to a certain page and show me the verse and in some cases I would understand what it what it said, in other mm. cases he had to, to explain it to me. And all my objections just basically disappeared as mm. he as he explained it but then the last objection that I had this woman prophet called Ellen White hmm. uh, I wanted to start arguing about that hmm. now you know what happens when, when a fan's running and, and you just unplug it Yes, you know there's, there's no further reaction it slows down until it stops hmm. he basically just sat back and folded his arms and he disconnected he hmm. was not interested in arguing with me at all And I ranted and raved, you know, this cannot be and, you know, it's not possible. It's not biblical and all of those things. He simply responded by saying, you know, do you think that you can intelligently argue with me about Ellen White if you haven't even read any of her works?
0: Mm, Now, that's
1: that's a good argument. Yes. So I said, well, I'm not going to waste my money. Why would I want to buy it? He said, but you don't have to. I'll send you two of her books, then mm. you can read it, and once you've read it, call me, and I'll be willing to to engage in this argument with you yes uh, so I said, okay, i mean there's no real other way you mm. know, and, and I want to engage in this argument with him, so uh, we made that agreement. he'll send me two of these books, and I'll read it, and then we'll we'll reengage on this issue and when he left. He asked me the following question. He said, don't you think the Lord is sending you back to ministry since you've studied theology many years ago? Mm. And I then said, no, if the Lord wants me in ministry, he must make it very clear. I had a bad experience being a student. I had a bad experience in my local church. Uh, I don't think ministry is is for me at all. Yes. So we left. And... uh, a couple of days later, my wife and I went to another town, not too far away, about thirty-three kilometers. It's a town called Hermanas, and I love books, so I went to a second-hand bookstore. But I actually more or less already know what books they have. You know, they they don't have a, a turnover of of books. You know, that, that's that significant because mm. I visited the bookstore very very often. Yes, and walking in that day, uh, or on the way there, my wife asked me don't you think the Lord is sending you back to ministry? Mm. But as she asked it, my phone rang. I then told her, you know what? If the Lord wants me in ministry, he must make it very clear. And I picked up the phone, and it was the lady that stood next to my bed when we had the, the accident just after yes. it, the one that shook her head when, instead of telling me that that Helena passed away. It was her. Her name is Melanie, and she said, uh, I asked her, Melanie, how are you doing? And she said, uh, I'm doing well I just got this impression That the Lord's sending you Back to ministry
0: mm.
1: I mean She must have Dialed my number Before my wife Asked the question Yes Because while my My wife asked the question The phone started ringing And I mean I don't know You know If, if anybody else Sees it differently But to me That that was like Immediate response to, to my You know If the Lord wants Me in ministry He must show me clearly Yes, yes. But I still kicked against it. Mm. My wife just started laughing about it. <laughs> she thought it was very funny. And uh, we drove to the second-hand bookstore, and I went in and had a look at the shelf with the religious books on it, and immediately my eye caught a book, a thick black book. And I took the book off the shelf, and I looked at the front cover, and it said The Great Controversy. And I said, well, this looks interesting. And I opened the book, and on the first page, it gave the name of the author. LNG White. Wow, I'm telling you, shivers went down my spine. I mean, things were just happening at a pace that I was not comfortable with. I mm-hmm. mean, mm-hmm. there's too many what some people might consider coincidental encounters for it to be coincidental. Absolutely, yes, <laughs> definitely. Mm. So what happened is uh, that I then later on went on a course that uh, Walter Firth presented at a place called St Uh It's where. Uh, one of the conferences have their, their major camp meeting. Right. Uh, like you, I believe you call it in, in Australia, you call it big camp. Big camp, that's right, they, yeah. They it's they like a big their, congress
2: for those who are not familiar with the Adventist terms. Yeah. Yes. Like, a, like a congress, a weekend congress or a week congress. Yes, mm. so
1: uh, I went there and attended and at one uh, lunchtime I was seated across from a person and we had a good conversation and he asked me, so – uh, you know, are you interested in ministry? You know, I said, you know, things have been happening and it seems like, you know, it might be a possibility. And uh, he said, well, uh, since you live in the Cape, here's the number of a person that you can call. The person's surname is Mbasa. He's the president of that conference. Uh, call him and, and see what happens. So I took the number and or the card and I turned it over. And it turns out the person seated across from me was the president of the Transvaal Conference. Mm. And he said, you know, if you don't come right there, phone me. So I went down to the Cape, uh, phoned uh, Pastor Mbasa, but I never received any answer on my calls. I never received any return of, of uh, you know, when I left a message. Yes. So what happened is that eventually I decided maybe his number changed. Let me call Pastor Dave Spencer again. Hmm. Called him and he said, uh, so so." nobody called back you know come and see me then so mm. i flew up went and saw him and uh, we had a very good conversation there some other people were present and afterwards i flew home and my wife asked me so how was the meeting i said no it's it's fine mm. a couple of days later i received a call from him again and he said well uh you know we decided to appoint you as a pastor wow. and you'll be starting on the 1st of november mm. and i then asked the question so uh when do I get baptized? And okay. he fell dead silent. I, I actually thought the line dropped. Mm. And I said, hello. And he said, uh, what did you say? And I said, no, I just wanted to know when do I get baptized. Yes. And he said, but, but haven't you been baptized? I mm. said, no. Now, if you know the, the Adventist structure, that simply does not happen. No. You cannot have an office in the church, not even deacon or elder, if you're not a baptized okay. member. Sure. And all the checks and balances fell through. I mean, that went through so many committees Mm. and all of them approved. And nobody can explain it to me even today. But I believe that it was the leading of the Holy Spirit Mm. because I also said to the Lord that, you know, I'm not going to fight my way back into ministry. It it, it seems clear that you want me there, but I'm not going to kick open doors and force it. If you want me there, open the doors. And all of these things happened. So what happened is I received that letter in September. I then got baptized on the 11th of October. And basically 20, 21 days later, I worked my first day as a pastor in the Seventh-day Adventist church. And I believe it was the Lord's leading throughout that he took me from where I was in a, in a place where I contemplated taking my own life to where I could now minister and, and speak to people and especially to people who went through a similar experience mm, than I have, yes. losing a child, losing a wife, you know, I can connect with them in a way that that is significant. Because yes. you have that shared experience, mm. which allows you to speak to their hearts. And subsequently, the Lord also really blessed me in ministry. I, I no longer work for a conference, but I work with the conference. I minister in their areas uh, obviously with their approval as well mm. And uh, I absolutely love what I do And I have a specific passion To minister to Pentecostal people Because I come from that background Yeah, that makes sense And I be- believe that I've been equipped During my life to specifically be able To talk to them in a way that that is significant Because I also share an experience with them In terms of, for instance, speaking in tongues Okay I grew up Pentecostal. I spoke in tongues for for literally decades. Mm. So I know what they experience. I know what they go through. I know the emotion they feel, but I also know what Scripture says. Right. So I believe that through my life, although I made bad decisions, the Lord was able to turn all of those wrongs in my life into something that's beneficial Mm. for his work, where I can minister to people in various situations uh, specif- specifically from those coming from a Pentecostal background, and if I look back at my life now, I can only be grateful for what the Lord has done. Where, as far as that accident was concerned, I hated God for not taking my life, and I saw Him as as you know hard and and vindictive and and almost hateful. I can now reflect on that same occurrence. And simply say, thank you, Lord, for having saved me and, and keeping me alive through that event, through mm. that accident. Because were I to pass away then, I would not be saved. I did not have a relationship with him. But he loved me enough to, to save me through that and to have the opportunity to not only know him personally, but to also share with others. How good he is, how loving he is, and how caring he is, mm. and to to invite others into that personal relationship with Jesus Christ.
2: Mm, that, that is beautiful. You know, when we're going through trials and difficulties and things even there where we can't see any light on the other side of that yes. current experience you know, everything is shut around us yes. and we even contemplate suicide. If you can just hang on to the Lord by faith And you were able to grasp the one text that popped back in your mind Just hang yes. on to that one text And that's the thing that gave you hope Yes, You see I'm going to test the Lord in this yes. And see if he'll take me yes. through it Now as you're reflecting back You can see good that's come out of a very bad situation Yes And it reminds me of that text there in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28 where it says And we know that all things work together for good To those who love God And those who are called according to his purpose So God had a purpose for your life yes. Uh, When you thought the best thing would have been for you just to die, God said, no, there's more that you can do to help other people going through the same experience, to share the joy that you now have in your life with those who also need to experience the love and salvation of Jesus Christ.
1: The thing is, once you're in that situation, you cannot see the light. You have no perspective. But when you step back, and, and often you need a little bit, of time to really get perspective. Mm. If I look back on it now, I know that it, it wasn't the Lord that caused that accident. Sure. I mean, no death, no destruction was the original intent of God. It's the work of Satan. Yes, absolutely. And from that experience where I believe Satan wanted to take my life at that opportunity, the Lord protected me through it. And brought me to the place where I can now reflect on something very negative in a positive light now I know that it's not the Lord that took Elena and Danica death comes from satan it's it's, mm. it's the result of what what he has done, but from that situation and and I do have the hope that when when jesus christ returns i'll be i'll be seeing Elena and Danica again mm. uh, she in that time that that we were together she already came much closer to to Christ than than i was yes and it's my belief that that she will be saved that she had mm. a true relationship with him so i have that hope of of being reunited with them but also i'm blessed in what the lord did for me from that point forward restoring me giving mm. me a beautiful and stunning wife once again Two beautiful sons with whom I have a very, very close relationship and giving me that joy. And if I think back, if I took my life then and I, and I lost out on everything, all the joys of, of having the wife that I have, mm. having the children that I have, what a pity that would have been. Mm, Satan would absolutely. have triumphed yes. if I did that. Mm. So I just want to tell anybody listening that, that might feel, you know, life is too much for me. There's no hope There is hope That hope is Jesus Christ Amen You might not see it now But please go and read 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13 He will and can pull you through Mm. There's always hope in Jesus Christ You might not be seeing it But remember the way that he sees you And the way that you might be seeing yourself And your situation now Is not the same He tells you He promises you There's hope Mm,
2: Amen, that's beautiful You know, God sees the end from the beginning So what you could see at that time was nothing beyond those portals that were surrounding you But God could see the joy that he could restore in your life And he's done a wonderful thing because I can see the joy in your your eyes just when when you're talking about it But you know, the text that came to mind while he was speaking as well Is Jesus' words out of John chapter 10 and verse 10 where it says The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And then Jesus says, "'I have come that they may have life.'" And that they may have it more abundantly Yes. So we are grateful for what God has done in your life And for your testimony as well What we want to do now is just take a quick break To share our contact details In case people want to know a little bit more Or if they want to find out about Homebase TV Or even this Connect T evangelism program yeah. That's available anywhere around the world That they can um, go on to and, and, and sign up to it online Yes. Uh, we, can, uh, they, we can then give those details to them So dear listener, don't go away Just take a note of these contact details And we'll be right back after this break
1: Thank you for joining us on By the Word of Their Testimony. If you would like more information about today's program or if you have any questions, please contact 3ABN Australia Radio by phoning 024973-3456. or you can send an email to radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. You can
2: also contact us on our 3ABN Australia Radio Facebook page. We look forward to hearing from you. Dear listener, welcome back to By the Word of Their Testimony. My guest in the studio today is Pastor Ibn De Jager, And he's just been sharing his wonderful testimony, but he also runs an evangelism school online. So Eben, maybe you can just tell us a little bit more about that. And if people want to find out more information where they can go, where can they find it on the web?
1: Yes, it's called the Connect Evangelism Institute and they can find it on www.connect but there's a dash between the C and the T that's important to add it in. So it's www.connect-t.org. Okay, that's fairly simple. .org, it's fairly simple to find. And what we do is we teach people the basic principles of sustained spiritual growth. It's basically... All in all, a three-year course, but it's a part-time course. Okay. And it's accessible through the internet, so you can be anywhere in the world and, and still benefit from it. In the first year, we focus on on laying that solid foundation from which you can start to grow spiritually. Mm. We teach things like uh, the, the elements involved in In your willpower, how to strengthen your willpower, because willpower is vitally important to to live a Christian life. Mm. We teach principles on Bible study. In other words, how to give yourself spiritual nourishment and not just be dependent on pastors and and evangelists and Bible workers to to teach you what the Bible actually says. We also teach on being involved in the community, sharing Jesus Christ, sharing your testimony. And then we also share on things like prayer and meditation, but we don't talk about Eastern med- meditation, emptying okay. yourself. We're talking about biblical meditation, focusing on the Word of God and filling yourself with the Word of God. Later on, we teach more about uh, Bible interpretation, more complex concepts, and then also finally how to do detailed evangelism. Okay, fantastic. So who is this
2: course for? If, if someone's got a little bit of Bible knowledge, can they uh, sign up? Is this a course for beginners? Who who does it benefit?
1: I believe this course is beneficial for absolute beginners, but also for people who really already know their stuff in terms okay. of the Bible. The first year might be very uh, basic for them, but I believe that they will still benefit from, from some of the principles that they might not know. The okay. only people that I can't think that, that might not as much benefit from it are people that already have a theology degree uh, because okay. they've been properly trained already. understand. Uh, but in some cases I've had where I share about it and they said, you know, but even though I have a degree, I didn't know this aspect or that aspect. So we take it from – we assume that the person know nothing mm. and we take it from there to sure. – to a more mature level. And a
2: student of Christ, I mean, they can hear it for the for the second, the third, the fourth time. There's always new insights that the Holy Spirit will inspire them to extract from the scriptures and the teachings.
1: With Jesus in your life, even though you re- read that verse a thousand times, there mm. can always be something new. And that's the excitement of having Jesus in your Amen. life.
2: Well, Pastor Eben, thank you very much for joining us today on By the Word of their Testimony. It's been a real blessing to hear your testimony. We pray that God will continue to bless your ministry. And dear listener, we pray that God will continue to bless you as you walk that journey and look forward to that day when we can meet Jesus and see him face to face. God bless you until our next program.